I wonder how many of you were previously familiar with the term reproductive justice. As you heard earlier, it's intended to allude to the broader term social justice, similar to how we sometimes talk about the work for racial justice or immigration justice. Uh, Embedded within this phrase, reproductive justice, is the hope of changing the broken and bitter debate between the so-called pro-life and pro-choice camps. In contrast, one definition of reproductive justice is the right to have children and the right to not have children and to parent all the children that we have in safe and healthy environments. Similarly, speaking to the inadequacy of the current pro-choice, pro-life paradigm, Sister Joan Chittister, a Roman Catholic nun, has said, in many cases, your morality is deeply lacking if all you want is for a child born, but not a child fed, not a child educated, not a child housed. And why would I think that you don't? Because you don't want any tax money to go there. That's not pro-life, that's pro-birth. We need a much broader conversation about what the morality of pro-life is. And reproductive justice is an attempt to name the conversation that we need to have about the right to have children or the right to not have children and to parent all our children in safe and healthy environments. Now, I'll admit that I actually can't recall ever hearing that phrase, reproductive justice, before this past June, when I was in Phoenix for the annual UU uh, Unitarian Universalist Association General Assembly, which was in Phoenix this past year. Had any of you heard reproductive justice prior to like the past year or so? So a few, a few hands had. Uh, I suspect more of you have heard the terms pro-life and um, pro-choice. Now, as I walked down the hall of that uh, General Assembly Convention Center, I, along with many other people, was handed a two-inch white rectangular button. It was in my office. I should have brought it, but I didn't. There's a lot going on this morning. Uh, That button said, Vote Reproductive Justice, CSAI 2012 to 2016. I was also handed a two-page, two-sided flyer with the headline, Reasons for Selecting Reproductive Justice as the Next UUA Study Action Issue. Now, for better or worse, we UUs have a habit of forming acronyms whenever possible. Maybe it's because, you know, that name, Unitarian Universalist, is kind of cumbersome, so we're used to abbreviating UU, so we just abbreviate everything else. And in this case, CSAI stands for Congregational Study Action Initiative. And at any given time, the UUA has a rolling series of four CSAIs, And a majority vote of congregational delegates to each year's General Assembly selects a new CSAI each year that will then receive four years of focused attention, both by congregations and by the UUA's staff. Some of you may remember ethical eating, food and environmental justice. Uh, That just ended a four-year CSAI cycle in 2011. Um, with uh, the adoption of a statement of conscience. And the four-year focus on immigration justice will end this summer in Louisville uh, with the likely adoption of a similar statement based on four years of study, activism, and conversation. So reproductive justice won last summer from a total of five possible CSAIs. In the interest of full disclosure, this congregation did not vote for reproductive justice, We instructed our delegates to vote for the next four years CSAI focus to be on families, population, and the environment. The other three contenders, if you're interested, were climate action and adaption plans, 
exploring class barriers and ending slavery, by which they mean human trafficking. One of the driving forces behind promoting the selection of reproductive justice was the Unitarian Universalist Society of Ridgewood in New Jersey. So that congregation was one of the rallying points for getting the CSEI approved. They were the ones in the hallways passing out those buttons and flyers. And among the five possibilities, they argued that reproductive justice has the best combination of urgency, grounding in UU principles, accountability, fit, and opportunity. Now, I won't take the time to review all the reasons that were listed on that handout. I'll link to it on the manuscript version of this website that we post on our um, sermon archive if you want to read it for yourselves. And one of the invitations, I think, is to consider whether this congregation someday might want to be a force behind selecting a topic that we advocate for the whole UUA to, to focus on, to spend four years studying and advocating. But I've taken the time to give you some background on the CSAI process I know there's some of you probably that really love that governance stuff, but I wanted to uh, name it because it really is kind of an important tension within Unitarian Universalism between our sense of ourselves as a movement and our sense of ourselves as an association. Those are two very different things. In another of our many abbreviations, we often refer to our denomination, the Unitarian Universalist Association, as the UUA. But if you look closely at all the official documents or even just the homepage of the website, UUA.org, you'll see that our denominational abbreviation should technically be UUAOC because we are officially the Unitarian Universalist Association of Congregations. And there's a sense in which we are indeed precisely that on one level, an association of independent, autonomous congregations. We are autonomous to do pretty much whatever we want, for the most part here. There's a real power in that, but there's also limitations. Um, so that's why we covenant together to work for larger causes. But there's also a sense in which Unitarian Universalism is part of a growing movement. We individually, we as a congregation, are part of this growing movement that's more than just a connection of individual congregations. And my choice this morning to preach about reproductive justice, as well as my choice to lead a six-week class that will start this Tuesday at 7 on reproductive justice here at UUCF, is directly related to the second sense of Unitarian Universalism as a movement. Left to my own devices, I don't know that nine months into my ministry here at UUCF, I would have chosen to preach about reproductive justice. Um, reproductive rights, reproduction, period, really, is such a controversial, personal, and intimate subject. At the same time, given the extent to which access to abortion and birth control continue to dominate headlines, I very well might have mentioned it in passing, but I can guarantee that I would not have elected on my own and taken the time to craft and write a six-week curriculum and, and lead it. So the reason we're doing that is because we're associated with this larger movement called the UUA. And thankfully, UUism isn't just about me. As our UUA president, Peter Morales, likes to say, he wants to commission a t-shirt that says, UU, it's not about you. <laughs> As the old joke says, only you can cure narcissism. And the point is that one of the reasons that UU congregations, including this one, pay annual dues to our district and to the National Association is to pay for staff that helps challenge and connect and equip us beyond what we would likely be able to do for ourselves. And the six-week curriculum we'll be using is provided free on the Internet, not just for any UU to use, but for anyone to use, because the UUA cares about reproductive justice, and we've you know, created this curriculum to that end. 
and it was written as a regular part of the four-year CSAI cycle. Um, some of you may remember a similar six-week curriculum we did last year here on immigration justice. Now, all that being said, we have to find a balance here at UUCF between all the issues that the UUA and the region and all these different UU groups, you know, UUs for social justice, UUs for Church in the Middle East Peace, UUs for, there's all these groups, UUNO that you heard about earlier, all the things that they want us to do, and on the other hand, the things we want to do, the things we want to do locally or regionally, or just what we have the capacity to do. Because there's a really very real dynamic of what some people call compassion fatigue. You can only hold so much. Individually and collectively, we have a limit on the number of people and groups and issues that we can hold in our hearts and in our heads until we're saturated. I mean, if you think about a, that kitchen sponge that's probably sitting on your sink, once it's saturated, it just can't hold anymore. You can hold it there in a, you know, under the water or in a bowl, bucket of water, but it can only hold so much. And we've explored quite a few different social justice issues in the past few months here at UUCF, both in sermons and other studies and forums. But I want to be sure to spend some time on reproductive justice because I want to continue to draw our attention here in Frederick to some of the major trends in the larger UU movement, of which reproductive justice is a significant part, at least for the next four years. And two weeks from now on Earth Day, there'll be another sermon with social justice themes, just to give you a heads up so you can mentally prepare yourself. But <laughs> next week, the sermon will be on the spirituality of spring, so it'll be a little different. Uh, the focus will be on the spirituality of creativity. And I have a sermon on the work soon on the 21st century relevance of the Hindu text, the Bhagavad Gita, as well as a sermon for National Poetry Month on poetically dwelling on the earth as a mortal, as well as another one coming up on pragmatic Buddhism. Uh, so... At the same time, there will be other social justice sermons to come, but my goal is to, for us to live into a sustainable balance between themes that run all the way from justice to spirituality. And I always welcome your feedback on what does and doesn't resonate with you. And I should maybe hasten to add that I don't intend the subtext of what I just said to be that I've received some large amount of negative comments about preaching too much social justice. We UUs as a whole are a peace and justice loving people. But I, like many, if not all of you, you know, feel that weight and responsibility of social justice work, and it can be heavy. It can be a lot to carry. So I want to, again, find a healthy balance between challenging us to come together to correct systemic injustice and creating space and time for nourishing and restoring our collective spirit, which sustains our compassion and prevents burnout. So... Let me set aside now those um, meta-concerns and invite us to focus this morning on reproductive justice. And as we wade into this sensitive territory, I welcome you to find a time to talk to me in person if there's anything you feel that I get wrong or overlook in this sermon in particular, or if there's something that this sermon raises within you that you feel like you need to unpack uh, further with me or I can connect you with a member of our pastoral care team or, or someone else. Talking about reproduction potentially raises such a large range of responses, from joy to sadness, from pain to frustration, to all those experiences and emotions in the same time and often in the same person. But there's perhaps an even greater risk that in never raising these issues of reproduction publicly in our congregation, we lose the opportunity of supporting one another and of expanding our understanding around this vital and intimate part of our lives. 
So let me pause and say for the record that there is no required position on reproductive justice within Unitarian Universalism. And part of what we will have time and space to explore in the next in the six-week class that begins this Tuesday is how and why we may disagree about reproductive justice and how we should approach it within this congregation. And if you can only come to a few of those classes, that's fine. Don't feel like you can't come just because you can only come to one. So all that being said, the potential wisdom of choosing to focus on reproductive justice at this particular juncture is perhaps um, the case, is perhaps wise for at least two reasons. First, even though this past January marked the 40th anniversary of the Supreme Court's decision in Roe v. Wade, the underlying issues are still far from settled. Looking back, over four, looking back 40 years later on January 22, 1973, one physician said, the news came over the radio. It was just an overwhelming feeling. I got tears in my eyes. It was over, finally. Never again the fear, the threat of going to prison, the fear of a woman not being able to get service. It was truly a new day. But fast-forwarding four decades to today and tracking the activity of state legislatures, with 43 abortion-restricting provisions enacted just in this past year, 2012 has been referred to as the second-worst year for abortion rights since Roe v. Wade. And although that's less than the 92 abortion restrictions passed in 2011, the new restrictions introduced in 2012 are mostly related to ultrasounds, insurance coverage, age limits, parental involvement, late-term abortion bans, mandatory counseling, and clinic regulations. And in addition to incredibly restrictive, you may have seen some of these headlines, recent re legislation in North Dakota and Arkansas, I saw three major headlines about reproductive ju justice just this past Friday alone. The White House fights uh, Catholic Church subpoena on birth control, morning after pill ordered to be available for all ages over the counter by judge, and Lucy Flores, uh, Nevada legislator, receives threats after admitting that she had an abortion. A second reason that there may be wisdom in choosing to focus the attention of the UU movement on reproductive justice at this time is because UUs have historically been trailblazers in the struggle for reproductive justice, reproductive rights. And there may be ways in which UUs are poised to continue to contribute to future entries on that timeline that you heard in the spoken meditation. And the class will explore a, a longer headline, but that was um, a longer timeline, but that was 10 highlights. And some of you may have read the article about reproductive justice in the spring 2013 issue of UU World. The author begins with this story. I said into the phone, now I know this is going to sound crazy, but it's the only thing I can think of right now. There's a Unitarian Universalist church 100 miles from you. Give them a call. This was not the typical advice we give to women calling our national abortion hotline. Melissa lived in a big Midwestern state. She had little money, two kids, and an unplanned pregnancy. The closest abortion provider was over 500 miles away. Even though Melissa was enrolled in Medicaid, both federal and local government forbade using tax dollars for abortion services. Things were looking pretty grim for Melissa. And in that moment of desperation, a moment all too common among my hotline experiences, I told Melissa to go to church. I'm not kidding. Call them, I said to Melissa. Tell them that you just talked to this abortion hotline and the counselor sp who spoke to you as Unitarian and told you to call. 
It sounds crazy, but this church is not like a lot of other churches. It's part of our tradition that we support women like you. Maybe there's a doctor in the congregation. Maybe somebody in the congregation knows somebody. After I hung up the phone, another counselor peeked over the cubicle divider and looked at me, kind of strangely. Did you just send that woman to a church to get help with an abortion? I said, yes. Yes, I did. And I didn't think twice about it, because church was the only place my parents could send me to get high-quality, comprehensive sex education. That's that curriculum you heard about earlier, OWL, our whole lives. I didn't think twice, because when I was growing up, my minister told stories of being part of the clergy consultation services on abortion, a pre-Roe v. Wade network of Protestant and Jewish clergy who connected women with safe abortion providers. I didn't think twice because Unitarian Universalist Jews and Buddhists have been even more supportive of legal abortion than those who identify as religiously unaffiliated. I did not think twice because Roe v. Wade, that legal case, was forged in the basement of First Unitarian Church of Dallas, Texas. We stand on the shoulders of giants. The freedoms that we enjoy have been hard won on the backs of trailblazers. Margaret Sanger, Lucy Burns, Alice Paul, and so many more. From the plaintiffs and lawyers and judges who were part of those landmark legal rulings to nurses and doctors who put their own lives at risk to empower and stand in solidarity with each individual woman's choice. We've inherited a strong history. At the beginning of this four-year focus on reproductive justice in the UU movement, what part might you play? What part might we play? I'm grateful to be with you on the journey and in the work for justice.